Hello and welcome to the BMW Blog Podcast, Episode 1. This is our first podcast of this series. Uh, We've done some light podcasting in the past, but that was before I got to BMW Blog. Um, So this is our real, this is our first real attempt at an actual podcast, you know, with regular episodes. We want to try to bring you a regular episode every week. This is also my first experience with podcasting. I've never been on a podcast, so I've definitely never hosted a podcast before. Um, I've listened to some, and I kind of just started, actually. But uh, this really is my first experience with podcasting, so if uh, I make a few mistakes and there's you know, some, some rookie moves going on, feel free to let me know. Also, feel free to ask any questions. Um, I'm going to be taking questions at nico at bmwblog.com. So that's nico, N-I-C-O, at bmwblog.com. And uh, make the subject line podcast questions. And you can ask me anything you'd like. And, uh, you know, I'll try to get through as many questions as I can in a segment towards the end of the episode. Uh, I won't be able to answer all of them, obviously, because I'd probably be here all day. But I'll answer a few that, you know, I think are interesting or, you know, maybe you know, important for that time, depending on what cars are coming out or, you know, what's going on. So that's kind of how we'll do that. So yeah, uh, this is our first episode. And I want to kick things off by talking about the BMW M8 Grand Coupe. So, you know, as of recording this, it's only been out, like, it's only been, you know, debuted two days now. So it's still pretty hot off the press. And uh, it's been getting a lot of positive reactions on the old interwebs. So... You know, you don't have to be a BMW fan to really appreciate it, because it's a gorgeous car. It really is beautiful. And what I think is interesting about it is that it's better looking than the coupe, the two-door coupe. And rarely do you take a two-door car and turn it into a four-door car, and it actually ends up looking better. But I think that's the case with the M8 Grand Coupe. It's a really, really beautiful car. I also am really happy to see that it's being pretty widely loved you know i mean it's getting a lot of love from not just bmw enthusiasts but pretty much car enthusiasts in general are really loving on it and i like that you know it's it's encouraging to see and i think it's definitely bmw's best looking car and i say that with confidence because the previous m6 grand coupe uh, or grand coupe as bmw likes to call it but we're in america so i'm gonna call it a grand coupe um, anyway, uh, the previous M6 Grand Coupe was, I thought, the best-looking BMW, and I think a lot of people felt that way as well, because it was just really, really good-looking car, and it was really unique. Um, it was just, it was probably the, the best-looking BMW of its time, so I think this M8 Grand Coupe is going to do the same. You know, I think it's the best-looking car BMW has right now, and I think it's going to be the best-looking car BMW has until it's gone, to be completely honest. It's a really, really beautiful car, and I think that it's also going to be the best driving car BMW has. So it's going to match that beauty with some real, real talent. Um, the reason I say that is because the standard 8 Series Grand Coupe, or Grand Coupe, is actually better to drive than the regular 8 Series Coupe, and... Uh, I haven't actually driven the regular 8 Series Grand Coupe, the M850i Grand Coupe, but Horacio has. Um, He flew out to Portugal maybe a few weeks back. I want to say Portugal. Don't quote me on that. Um, To drive it, and at the same time, he drove the M8 Coupe. And what he said was that the Grand Coupe felt a little bit better than the standard two-door M850i. 
and I think a lot of that's attributed to the the wheelbase. So it's a longer wheelbase now with the Grand Coupe. Uh, it's a few inches longer actually. It's quite a, it's quite a few inches longer. So it's it's quite a bit more stable at high speed. You know, it's less affected by choppiness in the road because of the longer wheelbase. It's just a it's just going to be a more stable, uh, more planted car thanks to that longer wheelbase. But also its wheel track is wider, and that's important too. So you get better grip. Um, as well as better stability, and it's just going to be a better car. And it also, from what I understand, the longer wheelbase actually adds in comfort. I guess that extra stability helps deal with bumps better. So uh, it should be the more comfortable car as well. And that'll just make it a more enjoyable experience. And I think that I'm correct on this because, again, the previous M6 Grand Coupe was the best driving M car of its time. I remember people saying, like, it really brought that zing back to the M division. It really uh, was the most enjoyable M car to drive, which is, you know, kind of weird because it's so big compared to cars like the M3. So the fact that people were saying that it was the best driving M car was really impressive. And I think that this M8 Grand Coupe is going to do the same. I think it's going to be the most enjoyable M car to drive. And then also it has, you know, 600 horsepower and amazing powertrain. So if it drives anything like a BMW M5, with, which has the same powertrain, just you know lower, sharper, and a little more agile, I think it's going to be an absolute blast to drive. And I can't wait to get behind the wheel of that. I haven't even driven the M8 Coupe yet, and I've heard that's fantastic. You know, reviews are kind of all over the internet right now because the embargo on M8 Coupe reviews lifted the same day as the M8 Grand Coupe debuted. So uh, we've been kind of overwhelmed with BMW M8 news right now, but the standard coupe reviews have come out, and from what we've read and seen in video reviews, I mean, it's really good. So if the M8 Grand Coupe is even better, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really enjoyable to drive. I really can't wait. <clears throat> I'm also curious to kind of see how BMW gives it some of that specialness, some of that zing to make the M8 worth buying over the M850. Because I think that's a bit of a problem that BMW has had maybe in the past few years that their M cars just don't feel that special enough. They don't have that like real zing that M cars used to have, that real like special driver focused feeling. Um, and I, th it, it's something that we've complained about a little bit. I've complained about, but it's something we've noticed as well. And you know, the, the modern M cars are kind of lacking in that really special zing department. Only the, really the M2 competition in recent years has really brought that back. But you know, I'm kind of hoping that the M8 does that as well. And it's not just M cars. It's something we've noticed in a lot of modern BMWs, and it's something I caught quite a bit of flack for when I just recently reviewed the M340i. That's a great car. I want to start by saying that's a really, really good car. It really is. And I'm not trying to bash it. But when I drove it, I was kind of disappointed at its lack of zing, its lack of fizz, as uh, James May would, would call it. You know, it's not a proper M car. I get that. It's an M performance car. But it's still, you know, with those M badges, they bring, you know, a, a promise of a more exciting driving experience. And it didn't really have that for me. Um, you know, it's, it's fast as hell. There's no, there's no doubting that it's really fast. That B58 engine is brilliant. You know, 382 horsepower for North America, um, and 369 pounds feet of torque. I mean, it's really fast and it's brilliantly matched to that eight speed automatic. So it is just a little rocket ship, that car. But as soon as the shock and the excitement of that speed kind of wears away, 
it just feels like a regular three series. I remember I jumped in and straight away I was like, holy hell, this thing's fast. You know, so I was really excited. I was like, oh, this is going to be great fun over the course of my week with it. But over the, the next couple of days, what happened was is that that instant thrill of the speed kind of went away. You know, I got used to the speed and, you know, the, it just felt like a regular three series, just a really fast one. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, just extreme capability and refinement. Not so much, people constantly are like, oh, you know, modern BMWs don't have steering feeling. No car really has steering feel anymore. You know, electric power steering and refinement has kind of gotten rid of steering feel, plus customers don't really want it anymore. So I, I kind of stopped complaining about that. But just like an overall feeling of excitement and enthusiasm, the M340i just doesn't have it. And I think that it's because of how capable it really is. And BMW has claimed that they've changed quite a bit about the M340i compared to a standard 3 Series. And I believe them because I drove it on track. The first time I actually ever drove it was on track. And I was really impressed. I was like, wow, this is a really fun car to drive. You know, it would kind of like, it would wag its tail out, you know, on corner exit. It was, but it felt really balanced and really composed. And I could play with it and it didn't scare me. You know, I, I could push it hard and it, it was really confidence inspiring. So I was really excited to drive it on the road, and then once I got on the road, I was like, wow, it just feels like a 3 Series. And I think it's because it's so competent, it's so capable, that when you drive it at normal speeds, it just feels ordinary. You know, it, it takes pushing it to, you know, really crazy speed to really wake it up. So when you're driving it at ordinary speed around town, it just feels like a 3 Series, and you really don't get to push it hard enough to wake it up on the road, or else you'll land yourself in jail, because of how crazy skilled it really is so i hope that bmw is going to move in a more exciting direction with its m cars and really kind of inject some of that excitement that thrill even at low speeds that always made m cars so exciting and i'm optimistic actually because i i recently just drove the x3m competition and i had that for a week um pretty soon after i drove the m340i so it wasn't too long uh, of a time in between and I remember and obviously the X3M is a proper M car and the M340i isn't but it's also a big SUV so it's at a disadvantage right there when it comes to real driving engagement but I remember I mean driving I had a blast I really really loved that car and it was fun even at slow speed it had that specialness it had that zing it just kind of always felt alive and alert and it was raucous and exciting and it just kind of felt playful. You know, it wanted to play. It kind of wanted to go crazy a little bit all the time. It always kind of felt like it was straining at the leash, you know. Um, and I think that that's important in an M car. It's supposed to feel kind of insane, you know. It's supposed to feel like it kind of wants to do stupid crap all the time. Even at low speed, you know, you kind of want to be thrilled and entertained when you're just, you know, driving it around to the store. And the X3M really gives that to you. It gives you that excitement. It makes you want to say... Oh, yeah, sure, honey, I'll go grab milk real fast, you know, just because you want to get out and drive it, you know, you know, like, we're out of diapers, oh, let's, let's, let me run to the store really fast, I'll be right back, you know, it's kind of one of those cars where you just want to get it, you want to make every excuse you can possibly make to get in and drive it, and I was really surprised by that, because it is an SUV, um, but it really had that, part of that, um, is its suspension, which is so bone-shattering stiff, that it seems to find bumps in even the smoothest roads. You know, I drove it around my house for a week, and I'm driving on roads that I drive on every day that I know are smooth, and the X3M is finding bumps I didn't know were there, you know? It, it's pretty rough. Uh, I remember the first time I took, I mean, I picked it up 
the first day I picked it up, I, I picked up my wife and son right afterwards, and we were driving through uh, just a parking lot of a bank, and there was a little bump in the parking lot, and it sent the whole car, you know, j- jostling back and forth side to side, and my wife was just was like, oh my god, this is an awful ride, and it it was, it is stiff, it's, it's really, really stiff, and uncomfortably so, but because it's so fast, and it's so crazy, and I know that it's so capable, because I've ridden shotgun on track and that, and it's astonishing what it can do, but because I know it's so capable, and it's so fast, you kind of laugh at how stiff it is, you go over a crazy bump, and it, you know, it sends a shock to the whole car, and you're like, oh my god, but then at the same time, you have to kind of laugh, because you know, all right, yeah, this thing is insane, like, this is a crazy, crazy car, so it almost adds to the character. Do I think it could have been a little bit more comfortable? Yes, I think BMW can kind of soften that up. But from what I've from what I've heard, um, my car was a my car was a pre production car. That's not what I've heard. That is, it was a pre production car, and it was one that was used during testing. You know when BMW launched it. So I've heard that the production cars will be softer, a little bit softer, and more comfortable than the, than the production the pre production car I drove. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to maybe testing that out a little bit. But even uh, outside of that, even outside of the, the suspension that maybe jostles some of my fillings loose, um, it, it's a really fun car. The steering is really sharp. It's kind of like, you know, it's crazy responsive, actually. Like, you turn the wheel just a little bit, and it just bites in. There's, I mean, for an all-wheel drive SUV, it is shockingly sharp. And it kind of just feels like a playful puppy dog. It's always willing to just kind of, you know, go wherever you throw the ball sort of thing. It's just kind of always alert and awake and exciting, and it's you know, it makes a great noise, and it's crazy fast. It actually reminded me a lot of the Alpha Stelvio Quadrifoglio, which is an awesome SUV. It's actually, it was my favorite SUV to drive prior to the X3M. Um, it, 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 it is capable of things SUVs shouldn't be capable, capable of. It's so fast. It looks so good. But it was almost a little too capable for its own good. So like you would turn the wheel and the the you know turn in was so razor sharp. But because it was on tall suspension, it would pitch and heave and it would like it almost felt like it was gonna fall out from under itself. It would just it wasn't that great to drive super quick because it was too tall, but because Alpha kinda wanted to maybe negate some of that roly-poliness of the tall suspension. They made it really, really stiff, but it didn't end up working, so it was kind of just a mess. Even though it was really exciting and really fun to drive, it did seem a little bit sloppy. And the X3M, I felt, gave you maybe nine-tenths of that excitement, nine-tenths of that, you know, enthusiasm, but without the kind of sloppiness. Yes, it's very stiff, but it's always composed. It's always you know, it's, it's always ready to go. It never feels like it's going to fall out from under itself. In fact, you know, when I was on track with it, I was just in the passenger seat, but we were taking corners so hard. I thought we were going to flip over because I just didn't understand the physics of it. I couldn't believe we didn't flip over, but it felt flat and composed all the time. But just the physics of it, I was like, this thing's too tall to be driving this quickly. So yeah, as it stands right now, the X3M is my favorite SUV. And I've only driven the competition one, not the standard one, which I would like to try actually, because, you know, it is a little bit cheaper. So I'd like to see what that's like and if that, that difference in power, you know, is noticeable on the road. Because the standard car makes like 473 horsepower, I think, and the competition makes 503. So that's a big difference. You know, 30 horsepower difference is pretty pretty significant. So I want to know if it makes much of a difference on the road. 
To be honest, I doubt it because I really don't think you're going to ever go that fast on the road to feel that extra 30 horsepower, but it would be interesting to find out. But it is my, the competition at least, is my favorite SUV to drive as we speak right now. Um, I've been told by some journalist friends, though, that the Jaguar F-Pace SVR is even more fun to drive. And I really, really want to try that out. I actually just emailed Jaguar today, um, oddly enough, uh, to see if we could borrow one. I will find out. I doubt it, honestly, because I've reached out to Jag in the past and every time they say nope. So we'll find out. But I would really, really, really like to drive that. <clears throat> but I have heard that that's better than the X3M, which is surprising to me because of how, because of how good the X3M is. So I'd really, really like to see uh, what the F-Pace SVR is like. Plus, I just love Jaguar as a brand. I think they're an awesome brand. Um, and that 5-liter supercharger V8 is incredible. So how would I not want to drive that in an SUV? But yeah, I just, I'm a big fan of Jaguar. Um, I've always liked them on Jaguar. I've always really liked the brand in general. You know, like the E-Type is one of my favorite cars of all time. I've always wanted an XK120. I've just, I just love the brand. Um, which is actually kind of exciting for BMW fans because they've kind of partnered together. So Jag and BMW are going to be working on electric powertrains together. I think what happened there was BMW saw how much success Jag is having with the I-Pace. In terms of sales, it's not really lighting anyone's hair on fire, but... Um, you know, it's winning a ton of awards and won World Car of the Year. It, it's awesome looking. People love the way it drives. And it's really fast. You know, it's a really cool car. It has great range, over 200 miles. So I think BMW saw that and said, maybe they, they know a thing or two about electric powertrains. And I think Jag saw an opportunity with BMW and said, hey, they have a ton of resources and they know what they're doing as well. So maybe we should partner up. And I think it's a really good idea. And it's a really good partnership. Both brands, I think, have a lot to bring to the table. And I think they can make some really interesting cars together. I don't know if they're going to be making cars together or just maybe developing powertrain technology for each other's cars. You know, I really don't know exactly what um, the partnership is going to entail. But I still think it's exciting. Um, as a fan of both brands, I really like the idea. You know, I'm a big fan of both brands, so I want to see them work together. I think it's pretty cool. Also, selfishly, um, if they do work together, that means I might get a better shot of driving some Jaguars. So that's, that's pretty exciting for me, personally. Uh, so I'm rooting for the two brands to do some more together. There's also some rumors that Jag is going to be borrowing engines from BMW. I, I mean, I think these are more than rumors at this point. I think that's pretty pretty set in stone, but we don't know exactly the details. But there's been some talk about the next uh, Jag F-Type, which I believe comes out next year, um, about that car borrowing at least one BMW engine. So I think if Jag borrows any BMW engine, it's going to be the V8. Uh, twin turbo v8 from the uh, m850i and i think it's just going to be the v8 because i'm pretty sure jag is quite committed to their own new engine line which is like four and six cylinder engines and it's um you know it's part of their i think it's like ingenium i think it's called uh so i think they're pretty committed to those engines because they've invested a lot of money in them but when it comes to something like performance v8s their five liter supercharged v8 as awesome as it is and as great as it sounds it's quite old now i mean it's old tech and it's just getting just annihilated by the new Germans. You know, uh, BMW, AMG, Audi, they're coming out with like incredible twin turbocharged V8s right now that are just dominating everything else. Um, so, yeah, I think the next F-Type is going to have that V8 as an option. Uh, that would be really cool, honestly. And I think it might even help some Jaguar sales because people might be a little 
less afraid of a BMW V8 in terms of ownership you know, and reliability than a Jag V8. Jag hasn't had the best history of reliability, even though I think they're doing much better now. I, you know, I think modern Jags are perfectly fine and perfectly reliable, but um, not perfectly reliable. You know, you know what I mean? Like, they're not, you know, terrible at all. So I, I think that it might help some customers, like, kind of maybe say, all right, well, as a BMW V8, so it'll probably be more reliable than maybe a Jag V8. So some customers might jump into that, but I, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to help too much but it's just exciting i think it's just exciting to see you know a jag with a bmw v8 because it's just kind of cool there's also been just really far out rumors of the possibility of bmw maybe even thinking about buying jaguar from tata um i think it's actually jaguar land rover and both of them you know as, as a group um there's been some like rumor to that i don't know how true that is i doubt it's true to be honest with you i don't even think tata wants to give up jaguar land rover but I heard that they've been entertaining the idea and that BMW has been entertaining the idea of maybe buying it, uh, Jaguar Land Rover, which I think would be awesome. It'd be like a dream come true for me. But, you know, because as a fan of both brands and as a journalist for BMW, it would be kind of sweet to, you know, get in some Jags. But uh, I doubt it happens, honestly. I think they're just crazy, crazy rumors. It would be awesome, but I doubt it. However, BMW has shown that it's actually pretty good at collaborating. So I think there's a, a good future between those two because of look look at what BMW's done with Toyota. So, you know, I'm sure you've heard by now that the BMW Z4 and the Toyota Supra have are built on the same architecture. You know, BMW and Toyota kind of built this sports car architecture together. And, you know, it spawned the Z4 M40i and the Toyota Supra. Now, some people complain a lot about this because the Supra isn't Japanese enough, um, but, you know, I think both are really good cars, so well, I don't see what there is to really complain about, but, you know, I think it's shown that BMW knows how to work well with others or play well with others because both cars are great. You know, I haven't driven the Supra yet, but I've heard that it's really fun to drive. It might not be, you know, as Supra-y or as Toyota-y as people want. But it's you know really good, a really good sports car, and I've driven the Z4 in every or both North American configurations you can get it in. So the M40i and the S Drive 30i, so the six-cylinder and four-cylinder respectively. And it's a great car. It's a great little car. In fact, I actually have a Z4 M40i on test right now, um, sitting in my driveway, and it's a blast. And I've only had it a couple days, so maybe you know I hope that. That feeling of excitement doesn't fade like it did with the M340i, but I don't think it will because it's a really exciting little car. You know, it's even exciting driving slowly. It's you know, it's crazy fast in a straight line, but it always kind of wants to break its tail loose. You know, it kind of always wants to kick its tail out and rip its rear tires to pieces. It's kind of a psychopath, to be honest with you. And it's funny because my tester is like this, you know, pretty baby blue with white interior and you know the top down i look like you know a turd and a little blue roadster but it just wants to do, rip its rear tires to pieces so it's kind of hilarious um it's a really fun little car and the steering is really sharp and you know with the top down the exhaust sounds great and it's really loud so it's a really fun little car and you know so it makes me really excited to drive the super i've heard it's great and i've heard that it drives differently uh, i've seen that it's faster at least in um European spec because the Z4 only makes like 335 horsepower in Europe or it's 382 here in North America but the 335 horsepower one ended up being slower than the Supra 
So I think the Supra is, because uh, the Supra makes the same 335 horsepower, at least on paper. We've all seen the dyno test where it makes a lot more. Both both cars do. But um, yeah, the Supra, I, I really want to drive it. Toyota says that it's tuned you know, very specifically, and it's it's its own car. It's not a Z4 with a hardtop. You know, it's its own car from what I've heard. And I've heard that, you know, from other journalists who have driven it, that it is. It, it, you know, it drives differently. It, it, it's more of a sports car than the Z4. The Z4 is a little bit softer, a little bit, you know, calmer, and uh, which is exciting because, you know, like I said, I'm driving a Z4 right now, and it isn't a soft little, you know, cruiser. It's it's a f- fast, fun little car, and it, it's really, it's surprisingly fun to drive. So if the Supra is even better... I am excited about that, and I'd really, really like to get behind the wheel. I've actually bothered Toyota. I've been bothering Toyota um, about testing one, and you know they they say that we're going to get the chance to test one. So I'm really excited about that. Just a matter of when, um, but you know I haven't heard a real time frame on that, so I'm kind of hoping that it's sometime in the near future, at least before winter comes, because that would be nice. But yeah, you know I, I think BMW has shown with that. The, the Z4 Super project or Zupra that uh, it can play well with others it can collaborate well with others and it's a good brand uh, for partnerships and I think that a partnership between Jag would be really cool I think if BMW keeps partnering with other brands with electric tech it's going to just help the entire industry because I think that's really what's going to have to happen um, you know the, the switch from internal combustion to electric powertrains is a huge one. It's a massive leap forward for the industry because, I mean, our infrastructure, everything is so reliant on the internal combustion engine. You know, just being able to stop at a gas station and fill up. I mean, it's, it's, it's the only driving infrastructure we have. So making that switch is going to be really hard. And I think that traditional automakers are going to have to pair up. They're going to have to partner up. And we're starting to see it. We're starting to see... You know, even rivals, direct rivals, look like BMW and Jaguar, they compete in the same space and they're, 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 you know, sharing electric tech together. We've seen that BMW, Mercedes and Audi are working on, you know, uh, mapping technology together and, you know, they're joining for things like that. So I, I think you're going to start to see a lot more of that in the future because automakers are sort of going to have to, especially with like autonomous driving and maybe infrastructure work and, you know, car to X communication, which is like car to infrastructure communication, you know, the ability for a car to talk to traffic lights and stop signs and things like that, you know, uh, through 5G networks and stuff. It's so advanced and so complicated and so so far ahead of what we're at right now. I think for traditional automakers, they're going to have to start pairing up and sharing know-how and technologies and resources to really make that, that switch from internal combustion to over to electric powertrains, to make that switch as smooth and as quick as possible. I don't think we're going to see a full switch anytime soon, but you know, seeing these brands collaborate is a is a positive sign. I think a positive step forward for that switch. So that's about all the time we have for this first episode. Um, as I said, this is our first episode, so it's my first experience doing any sort of podcasting. So you know, I'm, I'm fully aware of how raw and green I am, and uh, I'm open to feedback, suggestion. Uh, this is about the time where I'd be taking emails anyway, like kind of reading emails and questions, and or if you, even if you just want to share something, um, you know, shoot us an email, and I'll uh, you know I'll, I'll catch it in the next episode. So you know, if you have any suggestions or you think my voice sucks, you know, let me know. Um, you know, it'll it'll be fun. 
So yeah, that, that's our that's it for our first episode, and uh, we're going to have a new one. We're going to try to have a new one every single week. That's our plan. That is the, the game plan for our podcast moving forward. So I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you stay tuned for the next episode.